This is episode number eight with Kevin Lyman. Welcome to the I Love Music podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. For this episode, I got to interview the founder of the Vans Warp Tour, Kevin Lyman. The Vans Warp Tour is the longest running North American festival concert tour to date. It's helped launch the careers of Eminem, Katy Perry, No Doubt, Echo Smith, and Paramore. The Vans Warp Tour has been running for over 20 years. When not running large festivals, Kevin works with different brands and focuses on humanitarian work. In 2009, he received the Billboard Touring Awards Humanitarian of the Year and was honoree at the 2011 Grammy Music Hairs Map Fun Gala. He not only wants to put on amazing shows, but has a huge heart to help the greater good. I couldn't be more excited to share this interview with you today. Here is my interview with Kevin Lyman. Thanks, Kevin, for being here today. Oh, great. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any um, childhood or teenage memories about music that just like really stick out to you? Um, going well, back? childhood would be like early. I, know, I don't even know who I saw, but it was uh, we were on vacation with a family and uh, we were in San Francisco and we wandered into Golden Gate Park. Mm-hmm. And that would have been now that I, you know, you look back and it would have been right around the summer of love, like mid, you know, 68, 67, yeah. Yeah. 68, 69, we were eight, and we wandered into a big festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember like, and I, I really think it might have been Diana Ross and the Supremes. I really, did, not sure who was playing in the park that day, but we had a, it was just like live music, with the energy of live music uh, stuck with me from that point. And then really, you know, it was, you know, as I was walking through the campus at, you know, Cal Poly Pomona, mm-hmm. heard a band on campus and said, oh, you know, I wandered over and got involved and started talking to the guys there about what's going on. And it was a campus music series and I got involved with that. And, That's awesome. You know, just always, you know, someone was asking me today, I go, it's just the energy of live music that I love. What music influenced you growing up? Well, it was really weird, you know. And I, I remember the Mamas and Papas. I remember the Carpenters. We, you know, my dad was a musician. He was a drummer. Okay. He was a drummer um, in a, a pipe and drum course for the military, but he played drums a bit. And uh, there was like tiki music. There was a guy named Arthur Lyman, and my dad's name was Arthur Lyman. So okay. he'd get confused sometimes with this uh, musician. Yeah. And we, they would play it. It was like Polynesian sounds, you know. So maybe mm-hmm. that's my, you know, maybe my background of liking reggae. But there was just a, there was a bit of music. It wasn't. My mom played piano. She was a pianist. Okay. And uh, she loved playing piano. Uh, so, but there really, I was never really musical. Yeah. That was my problem. I yeah. was. I, I still to this day, you know, would love to be able to play an instrument. I just don't. I lack a certain skill in that. I lack yeah. a lot of skills. A lot of yeah. people might say, like booking tours, but uh, you know, it's um, yeah. it's it's a uh, it's just music was always really important. You know, became important to me. But I remember like you know the Carpenters, Simon and Garfunkel. I remember being on like for a talent show. I did uh, Cecilia with a couple friends and <laughs> didn't realize it was about getting a girl up to your bedroom when I was in sixth grade. So. No, yeah. I didn't know what that was. We just liked the song. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that was my first album, I think, was uh, Simon and Garfunkel's Greatest Hits. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you decide to work in the music industry? Uh, working in the music industry was completely by accident. 
And that's always strange for me because I go out and speak at schools where these kids are driven to work in the music business and I was totally accidentally in the music industry from uh, working on the college campus on student activities, which I recommend anyone who's going to school, that's a great place. It was, education is important to me, but it was almost a socialization of being in college to me. Um, And then I was on a ski team um, and, and realized I was a better fundraiser and organizer than a skier. So I skated on the ski team. Yeah. They kept me on it because I'd be able to organize ways to make money, I think. <laughs> and uh, then I started throwing shows because uh, growing up in east of Los Angeles at that point in Claremont and going to Cal Poly Pomona, mm-hmm. we didn't have access to places like the Glass House and places where there's lots of shows now. Right. So, but there was a whole music scene going on in LA. So I had a van. I had some friends, and we would drive into we drive into Hollywood to see bands like the Plimsolls and Go Go's and things like that. And uh, then I started working, and then I was really going into the field of working with with children and youth groups. I ran summer camps. That was kind of my summer job, working yeah. at summer camps and youth programs. And I think I was kind of destined to do that. Um, I went to Hawaii after graduating college and worked at a weight loss camp for girls over there. Yeah. Kind of came home and stumbled into a job because I was broke coming back from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And by then, people like Paul Tolette, who you just said you were at Desert Trip, he, he organized that. Yeah. But he had gone to Cal Poly Pomona and okay. Skip Page and a lot of people that had gone to Cal were working out in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a, a chance, someone said, hey, we need a stage manager at a club in Long Beach called Fender's Ballroom. And it was for a different promoter. It was called High Times Events. And they said, Kevin, you'd be good. And that was the experience I got in school. People knew yeah. I could do what I, and they said, hey, can you come down? And it was, I think it was 75 bucks a night. They were paying, you know, and cash <laughs> at that point was good. Yeah. So I said, I'll take the gig. And that led to working on shows. And I was working with like bands like Lone Justice and the Blasters mm-hmm. and things. She was booking those kind of bands. And then one day they, they co-promoted a show, a Motorhead show yeah. with Golden Voice. Okay. We all know the history of Golden Voice. Um, and they co-promoted it and let me do the production on it because nice. I was a little more production oriented mm-hmm. than the guys who were working at Golden Voice at that point. Yeah. Um, and I could read a contract and a writer and fulfill some of the band's needs. <laughs> and it kind of just led from there. So yeah. I reconnected with Paul Tolette and Gary Tovar at that point was running, you know, he's the founder of Golden Voice mm-hmm. and fabulous, fabulous person. Um, he was also one of the biggest marijuana distributors in, in, the, in the West Coast at that point and ended up doing going to jail for it. But oh, wow. uh, he, he, he was one of the best bookers too. I mean, best guy taught us all though. So I, I think back and go, when you think about you know, the people who left there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't want to tout your accomplishments in, in some ways, but, you know, what I've been able to do in packaging artists on men, multiple, not only mm-hmm. War, but Mayhem, Taste of Chaos, things like that. And then Paul Tolette and what he did, has done with the whole festival world of Coachella and everything yeah. else. Uh, there was something that Gary sparked into us, and that was always about packaging and giving good value mm-hmm. and, and making unique packages because he would always put really great shows together and they were known like, you know, Gary Tovar, Golden Voice shows were where you wanted to be. Right. Um, what, what goes into making a good package? What, what components? Well, we were, we were, we were talking and it's strange when you talk about Emily, one plus one equaling three. 
You know, it's yeah. like people getting excited that, you know, you're putting this act and this act, maybe they're both worth 500 tickets, but together all of a sudden they'd be worth 1,500 or 2,000 tickets. Yeah. And Gary was always like, give the kids something special. Uh, so there'd be like shows, he'd call all the time and say, hey, Kevin, I need you to add this band. I'm like, Gary, the night's pretty full. He goes, add the band. And that was my job. And yeah. I'd figure out how to add that band. As people know that sometimes in a lot of my shows, there's always surprise guests or people coming right. in or, or even the package, you know, for what you get, for what you pay, you know. And I know prices have crept up over time, but most of those prices you look at that have crept up over time, I wish they were going to the bands, but they're going to Ticketmaster fees, they're going right. to parking fees, they're going to taxes, yeah. and the cost of putting on shows, uh, you know, whether it's a standalone festival or a touring festival, the cost, the hard cost of doing shows, insurance, everything else just keeps going up. Mm -hmm. So it seems like every time you add a dollar or two dollars to your ticket, it's just to cover the cost of putting it on, not necessarily increasing your talent budgets. Oh, wow, yeah, I guess I, I guess like when I see Ticketmaster fees, I'm like, what is that all about? What, you know? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, we, we, you know, and you know, I'm not gonna sit here and bash on yeah, Ticketmaster yeah. because yeah. there are alternatives for people who right. use them, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it's just the way the business is. Yeah. Um, so you worked on some large festivals back in the 90s, like Lollapalooza. Yeah. Um, what are some things you learned to help propel you into doing the Vans Warped Tour? Well, that was the, you know, Taste of, or, or Lollapalooza, 1991. Mm -hmm. That was, I was working in Los Angeles running 320 shows a year. Yeah. And we had runs with, you know, Jane's Addiction at the Palladium or Henry Fonda Theater. By then we were doing like multiple, multiple nights with these bands. Yeah. And I think everyone saw my work ethic and that's really what it came down to. Uh, and said, well, hey, we're forming this festival. And I had, a, I, I had a good relation, working relationship with the bands. I wasn't like a guy who went to the parties. I never hung, but I worked. So they, right. they, had, to put some, they had to put workers together because yeah. let me tell you that first Lollapalooza was a party for a lot of people. And they asked me to go on the road with that. Yeah. And I was the first stage manager of Lollapalooza in 1991. And wow. you really saw that the, you know, the, the, the vision of what Perry was trying to put together and being part of that was was really great you know for the first few years and then i just started kind of changing you know and and mm -hmm. i think in 95 i was going to get out of the music business i was getting it was time to maybe get a real job because if you're going to go into this business you're going to hear that a lot when are you going to get a real job yeah. or even you know i think last night i was at a, a charity event where there was a lot of, but it was mostly financial people and banking people mm -hmm. and they look at you very a little you know strange like do you have a real job you know, and, yeah. you know, yeah. it was funny because you have some awkward conversations at these events and then all of a sudden you connect with someone across the table who came to Law. you know, he started asking and, I, and he goes, oh my gosh, the Warped Tour. And then I told him, oh, I did Lollapalooza and he was from Florida and yeah. all of a sudden I could relate. He goes, oh my God, someone from California who can relate with something about what goes on in Florida. And we were talking about music. So music does bring people together when you find the right people. Otherwise people are going to look at you. So I was going to get that real job. And I decided for one last summer to go out and try some things. And that was, you know, mixing up the schedule. I was going with the skate ramp, taking all the things I did, which were completely opposite of what you are supposed to do in business. And I, th I guess that's been my thing. I, I tend to do things completely opposite than the traditional business model. And I think yeah. that's one kept me independent in a way because I don't fit into a box. Where, and two, I think it's, it's allowed me to, to just try new things because accepting that you may fail, that's okay, you know? Right. Um, 
that's a big part of this business. You are going to fail uh, and moving on. And I, I, the war, first Warp Tour failed. It was a failure. It, it was? Oh, wow. I, but that was 12 years of, like I worked so hard. I worked three, everyone, you know, that was the one thing, I was a worker. So they gave me a second chance. And that wow. second chance came from bands like Pennywise and No Effects, yeah. who were maybe bigger bands that heard that, oh my God, Sublime and this crazy tour that Kevin right. put together. And they knew me from working in the venues, mm -hmm. but they didn't know what I was doing really. And then they got involved. And then having a company like Vans kind of step up at that point. Right. Uh, timing was great. The brand was good, yeah. you know. Uh, and now we're sitting here, you know, 23 years later, you know, <laughs> still doing the Warp Tour. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And I was doing, you know, multiple, multiple other festivals, but I've kind of gone through a change in my life right now where I'm just trying to, trying to do different but quality things. I felt like I was getting in this kind of churn, like I kept have to putting out mm -hmm. festivals to cover overhead. Hence why you're sitting, you know, in my garage, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, decided to, to change my life because I, I still think I have some creative things to do in this business. Um, I just needed to get my head clear enough to do them. From the, you know, the failures and challenges you've had over the year, like, what, is you, what have you done to propel yourself forward to keep, you know, trying new things or trying to tweak? Well, I think it's, it's, also, it's kind of those things you don't know what else to do. No, it's just, <laughs> yeah. no, I have, I, you know, I've been doing some other things. I had a lot of fun with uh, the St. Archer project that I was involved in. And, yeah. And now, you know, just finished up the thing to be involved in with uh, Good Dye Young, the hair dye company. Mm -hmm. uh, so working some of those brands that, you know, that I think would connect, you know, in, in lifestyle brands that are fun right. and, and trying to have more fun with that again. Yeah. Um, I think when you get into a cycle of, oh, I have to put on this festival and I have to book now and I have to do this mm -hmm. and I have to every year, where I had a lot of fun last year with It's Not Dead Fest. Uh, oh, yeah. That was a festival I did that was really, I need something for my soul because I felt I was kind of, I had a rough couple, two years ago, Warped Tour, we don't want to need to, but there, it was a different, I thought maybe this could be then, oh, maybe this, the culture and the community had broken. Right. But yeah. I said, no, you know what? I could have walked away right then and probably been ha gone on with my life. But I said, no, you know what? We're going to go back out and I'm going to really think thoughtfully of how I put this tour together for last summer. Yeah. And it did. It changed the culture. It was just like a normal warp tour. It was good people teaching people, respecting what warped was. Um, you know, it, we've been around 23 years. So, yeah. you know, it's weird when people say, you know, oh, warp this. Or and I go, look, it's been around 23 years. It's, mm -hmm. it's propelled a lot of bands if you go really deep into it. Not much else has done that kind of work for bands. Yeah. Um, and we are who we are, uh, but we need people who understand the culture. So that was bringing back bands like Good Charlotte, Some 41, right. and Less Than Jake, mm -hmm. and Real Big Fish, and Every Time I Die. And then, you know, I do get a little spark of like being proud last week when I see Every Time I Die, who's now built a career yeah. by keeping warped in the plans. Mm -hmm. They come back every few couple years, and then they put out a record, and they had their biggest record. Who has the biggest record first week release of their history now in this day and age? You know, for a band that's around that long, yeah. uh, and they did. That's, that's huge. And it's it's about staying in the game. It's like you know what made a parade in Maine. They're just nice people, mm -hmm. um, and you know when their music when they first came out wasn't really connecting, maybe. At some point it was a good band, but it was just the sound. You need, it's about staying in the game. Right. And I think for me it's about staying in the game. Staying yeah. in the, this world. I love this world. And it's, I, you know, despite what I, I really believe that, you know, we have a place with, with Warped or Taste of Chaos mm -hmm. to help unite a scene and bring it together at times. That's so great. Um, what about the nonprofit like, aspect Ooh. of Warped? How did, how did you 
How did you decide to incorporate that? Um, nonprofits have always been part of my life. I grew up in a, a Claremont, which was kind of a hippie community. Mm -hmm. And uh, we used to do benefits for everything. It was like, I, I just got exposed to like, oh, the great uh, walk across America, the peace march across America that got stranded in the desert and they were yeah. all hungry. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, there's going to be a, I'm helping at a benefit in Claremont that we're raising money. And David Lindley comes out and played a few songs. And there was local bands would come and my roommate at that point, he lived in a, he was Paul Irwin, uh, who people know from around the scene. He, he's been around a long time, but he, we got involved. And then all of a sudden he had this bright idea, like they say that they're living off of pasta and butter. And well, they need yeah. some Parmesan cheese. So one of the things he brought was a big 40 pound wheel of cheese or whatever. <laughs> uh, and I just remember always kind of helping out at these shows. And then as I gravitated towards maybe the punk rock world of Los Angeles and that world, mm -hmm. they were always wanting to do some sort of benefits. So. Uh, it just was a natural part of my business. It always has been ingrained in my business to include a charity component. So even when Warp started and we were making, it was losing money, we still donated that 25 cents a ticket to charity. And then it just so becomes great. part of your culture. So that's yeah. why I tell kids, if when you're starting your businesses, ingrain that charity component into the business when you have nothing right. and it becomes a natural thing. Right. Whether you're a business and you have no money to give, give a little time as a company to right. help people out or as you can donate money get involved in things that can really help and it just becomes a natural part of your life that's so great so you know it just it's what we do you know and now you know warps become an all-encompassing for you know a hundred uh, you know nonprofits that were visiting and tabling or touring with us last yeah. summer uh, yeah, well, it goes back to the early shows. I did, you know, some first pro-choice shows with L7 and Nirvana in Los Angeles. Uh -huh. And we do the first Rock the Vote shows. Yeah. And, you know, that we need to raise money for the Legal Defense Fund because Fishbone had to go kidnap their guitar player because he joined a cult. You know, things like that. We were always, <laughs> we were always doing some sort of show. Right. And, uh, you know, Gary Tovar was that guy that said, okay, let's put a benefit together. Right. And back then the bands were a little more like, let's do this, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Chili Peppers, Beastie Boys, L7, Nirvana, mm -hmm. you know, these Pearl Jam, yeah. everyone would jump in to do a cause. I don't necessarily see that as much anymore, you know? Really? Oh. I don't that, see the bands yeah. doing, I don't yeah. see the bands, I wish, you know, you have some bands. Yeah. You have some bands, but that, you know, just going to social media and talking on Twitter is one thing and yeah. can be important mm -hmm. if you're backing it up with action. Right. And. You know, I'm looking for bands that stand for something. You know, mm -hmm. now it's it's interesting. I do a little more research with that, and you know, in a lot of ways, I end up going back to the old punk bands. And, yeah. You know, how how do you find the bands to be on Warp Tour or any other festival that you're you know putting together? What's that process like? It's a it's a pretty you know everyone knows how to get a hold of me. Yeah. So it's pretty much yeah. you know everyone's sending the bands. Yeah. Um, we also do the normal submission process. Um, you know, and then I try to find those one or two or three bands that will mix it up and try to add something, a twist to the show. Mm -hmm. Maybe that last year was bands like Sykes or The Airs or things like that. Yeah. Uh, and try to throw little curveballs. And I've always tried to throw curveballs. And sometimes those curveballs have turned into Echo Smith or Katy Perry or Kid Rock yeah. uh, um, on, t on Warp Tour, you know, or Eminem <laughs> for that matter, you know. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. if we're known as a punk festival, which is strange, because um, we're, I think we've always been one of the most eclectic festivals, or if not, out there. Yeah, 
I yeah, I totally agree. So. Whenever I go, I I go like every summer, and I'm always like, oh, what's that band about? Yeah. And it's it it's so great. Um, do you have any fun or memorable moments from being out on the road that just like stick out to you? Most of my memorable moments are when I take people for activities because anyone who's been on my tours knows that we always try to do some summer activities. Yeah. So it feels like, because being on the road is a grind, yeah. okay? Um, it's not glam as glamorous as anyone thinks. It's hard work. Yeah, yeah. You're usually sick half the time. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're driving, you know, you're doing your shows though. Hey, it's not, but it's not, but it's also, you, you lose, miss out on certain things. So I think one of some of the things like we've had is like, you know, the Warped Tour prom, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of these, people have, didn't get to go to their own proms. So they have a prom every summer. Yeah. I try to do more things like, hey, we're going to stop here. Instead of going to take day rooms at a Holiday Inn or somewhere, we're all going to a lake and going houseboating <laughs> yeah. or whitewater rafting yeah. or yeah. you know, sometimes I've taken bands fishing. You can't really mm -hmm. take the whole tour fishing, but uh, we've done things like that, go-kart racing. We, you know, we've yeah. done fun things to make it feel like you really have a real life because yeah. the years go by quick in this business and all of a sudden you're sitting there going, wait, I didn't really get to do all those things. Right. Um, when you get off of tour, uh, what is it, how does it feel? Like, do you go through a transition point or is... Going off tour is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, I ran into one of the guys from Five Seconds to Summer the other day. He came out to uh, uh, a charity event that I was being getting an award at and yeah. he was with John Feldman. They wanted to say hi. And we were talking and they just done a 100 city tour, you know, yeah. and... Um, I think it all made it all right when, when you heard that Bono like, isn't allowed to come to his own house when he comes off tour. Yeah. And they have a hotel and then his family visits him and he's allowed to come for the first week for a couple hours easing back into it. Right. My, my friend used to have, the, my wife used to have the best, she goes, I just re got a, a bunch of wild animals home. You know, it was me and maybe Tess who used to live here in this, in this space that we're in now. Yeah. And then, you know, now it's, you've got Sabrine, Sierra also working on the tours with me. Right. Um, I think I've gotten much better. Yeah. She might differ and argue with that. But, yeah. but I think yeah. I understand that transition a little bit more. Uh, but it is kind of like, you know, you, know you're, you, you can't sit and have a meal because uh, one, you know, everyone's usually eating with their hands. You know, it's like right. in, in a hurry, you're shoveling food, yeah. Uh, yeah. you're moving, you can, can't stop moving. Your attention span is usually short. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's why on the road, it's really important, I think, to bring a book or something and try to read 15 minutes a day. To, you know, uh, or yeah. grabbing newspaper. Yeah. You know, people think it's funny that I sit with a newspaper. I still read a newspaper. Yeah. And I try to read, and you find yourself like it's hard to get through a whole article. So forcing sense. yourself to get yeah. through a whole article can keep that, you know, because you're used to jump, 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 reactive. Right. You become a reactive person if you're <laughs> myself. Yeah. Or you become a routine person like most people on a normal tour. Warp right. Tour is not about routine. We break it all up. It's a little, it, there's no routine and I like that. That's what I need for my mentality. But a lot of artists, it's in crews like a certain, you wake up at a certain time, you play every day at the same time, right. you sound check at the same time, you eat the same pizza at night, you go get your shower in the same, you know, mm -hmm. and, and people like routine that way, but then that becomes a groundhog's day. So, <laughs> yeah, so you don't even, that's why, that's why so many bands do tape the name of the city they're in on the stage. So when you're out on the road, in a city, what what makes a great day for you know you being? Oh well, 
One, ticket sales. You want to have some tickets sold. <laughs> yeah. Two, you don't, you don't want to be looking at their weather saying that you're going to have thunderstorms at five o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. Uh, because then that puts your mindset that you have to, you're, you're ultimately on the line for the safety of these people, mm -hmm. as well as your crew, as well as the fans. So perfect day for me is when it's 82 degrees, low humidity, and uh, no chance of thunderstorms. I'm going to have a great day. And that usually means that uh, once I get the kids in and the show up, I'll, you, you'll hang out. You'll see everyone hanging yeah. out their buses or sitting in their tents. Uh, you go walk the crowd. You hang out with the kids. Um, it's those brutal days when it's 96 degrees with 90% humidity and there's nothing you can do yeah. but try to give these kids water and keep them shade because you know their bodies are just going to get drained and they're going to get tapped out. And by right. like 6 o'clock, those younger bands aren't really going to get as good a chance on Warp Tour because they're just going to go see the bands they have to go see. But yeah. you have those great weather days. Every band has a great day because the crowds are really engaged. You right. want to be engaged. Yeah. I want to be engaged. Mm -hmm. But your body just, just isn't, it drains out. Oh, yeah, definitely. So. Um, from a business side, for like the beginning bands and baby bands out there, what, what do you think? Do you have any words of advice? <sighs> Try to go in a van. A lot of bands took a van last summer, which was great to see. Bands were able to make yeah. it in a van on Warp Tour. It was it used to be that, oh, I need a, a bus. And then we have the, the bandwagons, which are right. great. They're a great option. Or share. Try to keep your expenses. We try to keep your expenses as low as possible while you're out there. Yeah. You know, get out and work your booths. Meet the fans. Shake hands. You're young enough to do it. Yeah. yeah. So just go for it. Um, we're going to give you the opportunity to shake as many hands and meet as many people as possible. 500,000 people a summer, roughly. And go do it. Because yeah. you work your asses off. That's all I can say. Yeah. Um, why do you love music? I, you know, the reason I love music, I, I think it still does bring people, I know it's a cliche, but it brings people together. Yeah. Um, it could brighten your day. If you're down, you can find that right song mm -hmm. and you can get you through. Uh, it's strange, you know, I, a lot of people, you know, I just, but I'm always listening to music, you know, mm -hmm. I'm always listening to bands, I'm always listening to music. Um, if I'm an artist right now, I would focus on your songwriting. It's to be so important in this day and age with the movement towards streaming. It's, it's strange, but yeah. it's going to be all about those big songs again and right. just going to be, you know. Yeah. Uh, the business, pay attention to your business. Yeah. That's, you know, how, I, how, how have you seen the business change over the years? Oh my gosh, it changes every six months now. <laughs> you know, the yeah, music business yeah. is changing every six months. And, you know, now it's how the independent labels are going to adapt to a, a almost majority streaming business. Uh, Physical is probably going to be gone in the next few years, yeah. except for that specialty thing. Uh, mm -hmm. We all jumped on the, the vinyl train and now that's you know showing that that's not going to be a solution solution to everything yeah um so we've got to kind of constantly evolve so right now i'm talking about you know just different things with a label right now that we can do yeah because we all want to keep doing plus it's getting too late in life to get a job and we're all over 50 so you know getting a job after 50 in america is impossible from what you read in the paper so yeah. we just have to keep working um what keeps you going um you know, why do you do what you do? What like, what what keeps motivating you? I don't know. I it just I, for, I if you're in desperation, that's what motivates me. No, because I couldn't go get that real <laughs> yeah. job. Yeah. No, I I uh, it's just who I am. I work. I've been a worker 
uh, I prefer, it's funny when, you know, I like hanging out with the people who are hard workers in this business. Yeah. I've never been one to really, you know, be a schmoozer. Yeah. I don't go, you know, I'm involved in my charities, the music cares mm -hmm. and all that, but, but I, I like my friends. I like my family. Um, I like hanging out with a few people and uh, that's okay with me. So what, uh, what about the Entertainment Institute? How did, how did that come about? Gosh, I, you know, that's interesting because we're actually trying to shift that business model right oh, now to, okay. uh, but the, it was basically, we don't do VIP programs on Warped Tour unless they're through charities and things. Yeah. So we were trying to figure out how, I'm trying to figure out how artists can make some extra money. Yeah. Because they yeah. all need to make extra money. Right. I mean, and I hate to say money, it's nice, but you, the artists need to live. Right. And the only way they can do it now is to go on tours. Mm -hmm. So either that and then they do a VIP package. But I was right. saying, how do we use your skills and knowledge and help start bringing them forth? Right. And that's kind of how we blended the old band happy model into the entertainment institute model. And it tends to work very, you know, come together. That's awesome. Um, so there are workshops and workshops backstage. I mean, over 10,000 individual classes, students took some class yeah. uh, at Warp Tour. Uh, the artists, it's nice. They get a nice check for their families or themselves yeah. at the end of the summer. Yeah. Um, even if you're coming and thinking it's just a meet and greet, you do sit through 40 minutes. So I, these artists did make curriculums and, right. and it's going to leave you with something beyond a handshake and pat in the back and a selfie. Yeah. Um, so. And, and it's coming back next th this Yeah, we're, summer, it, we're looking at it coming back next summer, but we're really trying to get this online platform going where artists can do it from anywhere in a larger scale with more people. That's awesome. Do you have any encouraging words to people within the industry, um, musician or people who work <sighs> behind the scenes? Patience. It takes patience. It takes patience. You never know when the opportunities are going to come. Keep your options open. Don't get arrested for a DUI because then you can't go to Canada. Keep your record as clean as you possibly can. Yeah. And uh, you know, just stick at it. It doesn't come overnight. Some people it can. You know, um, I think it's that's you know the era of like the 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 dot com world. The whole you know, there's a few people that made overnight success, but most people really worked hard, and that's what it takes in ours. Discouraging. Yeah, you're going to get discouraged. I get yeah. discouraged. But then go back to it and listen to that song that got you through that point in time in life when you were really discouraged and get past it and move on and find that your next avenue and put your foot in the door and keep moving it through. And uh, that's about it. Um, and then what are you working on next? Oh, working on all kinds of things. We're, we're hoping to have this announcements on this uh, cruise in the next few weeks. Uh, Great. Uh, I'm working on, with looking forward to helping market could Die Young, uh, the Villager Coconut Water with some of the guys we do at St. Archer's launches should be coming out in November. Awesome. Uh, looking at other opportunities and looking forward to putting on a good warp tour. Great. Well, anything else you want to add? No, about great industry? to see you. And yeah, yeah, thank you for doing this. Today. No worries. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much to Kevin Lyman for being on the show today. If you want to find out more about all the events and brands he works with, visit his website, forfeeny.com. Thanks again to the Bang Ups for the theme music. Sponsorship is available. Please email me at ilovemusicpodcast at gmail.com. This has been the I Love Music Podcast with Jen Fedor. <laughs>